So in the 16th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus teaches again powerfully. And he says in verse 1, also to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward. And an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Verse 3. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? So he said, A hundred measure of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. So the master commanded the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if, you've, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've been faithful in what is another man's, pardon me, if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The word mammon can be interpreted to mean money. And it also can be interpreted to mean stuff. Give me the title for this morning's lesson, please. Uh, For our intellectual side of us, I thought this seemed proper. This title, the intellectual side, eternal perspective on earthly portfolio. But for our everyday stuff side of us, I want to talk to you about God's perspective of your stuff. Oh, Jesus, bless us today. I have just been reminded by the Holy Spirit that we've not prayed for the country of Japan yet. Nobody's fault. Just, just, just the Holy Spirit wanted it now. Wanted it now. What devastation. What dual disasters. While you pray for me, pray more for the people of Japan in light of the terrible earthquake and tsunami. Might you just raise your hands to the Lord with me and reach up and pray with me out loud as you can and and meaning enough for you to hear? Let us pray. Father, I thank you today that you are still in control. And we understand, O God, that even nature groans and moans in expectation of the coming of the Lord. Even this old world is tired. Even the world and the earth has been cursed by sin. And sometimes the repercussions of that has such adverse effects. 
And I ask you to help the people of Japan. Amen, church? Somebody may be crying out. Nobody's there to hear. Let somebody be there to hear. Under the rubble, under the debris. Somebody's hoping, oh God, that they may, that there, they may, that whatever signal they're trying to send would send a rescuer. In the name of the Lord, keep them, Lord. Help the Red Cross. Help the military. Help the government. Do not let there be any further or any disaster from the nuclear facilities. Pray with me. God, touch the babies, touch the mamas, touch the daddies and grandparents. Oh, God, I pray that out of these, uh, uh, Lord, uh, decay and out of this destruction, that, Lord, peace would come upon the people and the gospel would be spread. Lord, I know these are signs as it relates to the coming of the Lord. I know you take no pleasure in anyone's hurt, but we are not in this world as it is forever. You're going to give us a new heaven, a new earth. Until that time, watch over everyone. And now would you pray for me, church? I ask for a special anointing this morning. Lord, I know we lost an hour, so I'm not here just to preach and occupy time. But I want to be significant. I want to be relevant. And I want all of us today to know that we have heard from God. So sanctify, anoint, and bless us that we may be receivers, hearers, doers. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And thank you for being seated. Please, if you will, keep your scriptures open to this reference for our text this morning. And let me, let me just begin with a word that occurs repeatedly in our text. And it is that word steward. Six times or more, the word steward or stewardship is used by Jesus. So I think it's important that we begin our lesson today by asking the question, what is a steward? A steward is a man or woman who administers a property which is not his or her own. I might render this definition. A steward is a manager. In other words, he is a sort of an executor of an estate. For further clarity, a steward, if you will, is someone who is holding something like land, money, business, property, etc. Holding something in trust for someone else. Let's go further. What is a steward? A steward is a person who owns nothing, but has the privilege of managing everything for his master. This steward in Luke 16 this manager, was paid by his master, the owner, and therefore was expected to be honest and faithful. Can I get an amen? amen? This may come as a surprise to you, and maybe it does not, but I will render it. You and I don't own anything. Anything. We may possess many things, but we do not own them. God owns them. He is the master and we are the stewards. Nobody paid for the sunshine today. He gave it to us. Nobody paid for the longevity of your life. He gave it to us. Nobody here is paying for your seeing, your smelling, your tasting or your hearing or your walking or your talking. He gave it to us. And he gave us gifts and abilities to increase 
what we already have. We are entrusted with God's things. They are on loan to us. Give me another amen. And we have the privilege of using God's vast wealth. And when we do, we get the fringe benefits of what he owns. The Lord is using an example here of the business world. And, and I will venture this example of how this works as a steward. If you work for a company, you've been there a long time, and it's a company of significant size. If you've earned your way, you've been promoted, salary increase, and the company prospers because of your contribution, many times the owner or the company will give you some fringe benefits that encompasses some of the following. You may get to drive a company car for company business or even private business because you've earned it, and they'll pay for the gas. It's a fringe benefit or a perk. You may get to live in a company house. You may even have the opportunity to eat, dine on company business on a company card because they're saying thank you for your contribution. You've been a good manager. You may even get to fly uh, on the private jet of the company or they may pay for your flying expenses. You may even get to, uh, as a reward to you being a good steward, you may even get to uh, uh, go to the company's resort. They may have a house or they have a cabin or may have houses or, or cabins at a particular resort and say one time a year because of your uh, contribution to this company and how good you've been, we want you to vacation there. You may even get the opportunity, if you work for such a company, to buy company's merchandise at a discounted price and even your family members may be able to get in on that. All because they cherish your trust and your loyalty as well as your skills. Now, if that employee is unfaithful, abusive of his privilege, or otherwise damages his position with the company, then he or she is what you'd say, out of here. At the same time that they wave goodbye to that employee who damages his trust, all the fringe benefits and perks go out the window. Am I, am I right, church? Why? Because they never owned it in the first place. The company, the head man did. And the head man, the company, the owner, allowed the employee to enjoy it as they worked in his employment for his advancement. I'm trying to get somewhere with this. And here's where I'm going. He, God, Owns everything. I and you are in God's employment today. We are in God's employment for the advancement of the kingdom of God. And while we work for God and honor God with our life, our time, our talent, and our treasures, He gives us the fringe benefits of a nice house and a car and good health and blesses our children because we have sought first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6.33, and therefore all these other things are added to us. He owns it. We get to enjoy it because we are stewards. We're stewards of our time. We're stewards of the gospel. Everybody been saved and been commissioned by God to go and tell somebody else. We're stewards. We are stewards of our spiritual gifts. Give me another amen. We, we, we are stewards, brothers and sisters, of everything. When I talk about uh, uh, being stewards, I don't just mean how we handle our cash and our checks. I'm talking about all of our stuff. So having said that, I return now to the parable 
that Jesus teaches from. And let me show you basically what happens here. What happens here is there's a wealthy man whose business has done so good, he's made so much money that, that he just now wants to turn around and enjoy it. He wants to quit working so hard and he wants to take the money he has and enjoy a little time with his family, maybe a little vacation, maybe play a little golf a little bit more, and just because he deserves it, okay? But he says, in, in order for me to enjoy myself, I can't just be managing money all the time and managing my business. I'll turn my business over to a manager, somebody I can trust, and I'll go and enjoy myself. Well, he does that, and for a season of time, he does it. And let's just kind of hypothetically say it's today. And, he's, uh, and in today's thinking, maybe one day he's out playing some golf with a friend of his, and his friend says to him, you know what? That man, that steward, that manager you left in charge of all your money and business is stealing from you. Well, he checks out the facts, and he finds out he certainly is stealing from me, and he confronts the man, and he says to the man something like this, I have discovered you've been dishonest, and now you have lost your job. You're fired. At the end of this month, you're gone. But before you're gone, I want to make sure that you give me an audited report of, of what has taken place. And any business deals you've got going on right now, I want you to close them down because you're out of here. You've been dishonest. Well, well this, this steward, this servant, the Bible says in, in verse 3, he is shocked because he thought he was getting away with stuff. And the Bible says, then the, then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master's taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig. In other words, I cannot dig. I don't have the strength to dig. I ain't been doing no digging job. I've been doing the sitting up high and, and, and lofty kind of job. So I don't even know how to dig. And I'm ashamed to beg. He, you know, in other words, he ain't never done any manual labor. All he thinks about manual labor, he thinks manual labor is the name of the president of Mexico. So you know he ain't going to dig. and He's he not going to beg. He's shocked. Verse 4 says, he thinks about his situation and he comes up with a plan. Because remember, Jesus called him shrewd. Here's his plan. I have resolved what to do. That when I'm put out of my stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So here's what he begins to do. Verse 5 says, he calls in every one of his master's debtors to him and says to the first one, how much do you owe my master? The first guy comes in, and according to the New Living Translation version, he asks the guy, how much do you owe my master? And the first guy says, I owe 800 gallons of olive oil. The manager says, write me a check for 400, and I'll mark it paid. Well, the guy says, but I owe 800. The manager says, I know, but I'll change the books, and I'll take care of it. And the guy who gets that break says, thanks, man. If I can ever do anything for you, just let me know. And the other guy says, don't worry, I will. <laughs> the next guy comes in and he says, how much do you owe my master? He says, I owe 1,000 bushels of wheat. Write a check for 800. But I owe 1,000. I know, I'll take care of it. The second guy says, thanks man for this break. If I can ever do anything for you, just call me. He says, don't worry. I will. He does this a few times before his last payday, his last day, and his master finds out. His master comes in and he stops him from doing this. But then he has this conversation with the man that goes like this. He said, I got to hand it to you. What you did was wrong, but you took the little opportunity you had... And you use it to make some friends so that when you are out of job, you have somebody who give you some food if you need it. Maybe house you for a week or two in their house or help you with transportation. You've been really shrewd. Well, 
the audience that Jesus is speaking to that day from this parable, about this parable, is kind of confused. They're thinking, why is Jesus commending a crook? And if you think that's what Jesus is doing, then that's not what Jesus is doing. You, you are in error there, and, and you're like me, maybe, uh, you know, not so much error, maybe a misunderstanding. Jesus is not commending poor management and thieves. But what, what Jesus is saying is, is this. He said, when it comes to the people of the world, verse 8. Verse 8, part B. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in the generation than the sons of light. What he means here is that the people of the world sometimes are wiser than Christians when it comes to handling stuff. And then he goes on to give some insight about God's view of our stuff and why we should take a lesson from this unjust steward. Here's the whole point of the parable in a nutshell. It's on the screen. Each of us have a little bit of time, a little bit of money and stuff. And we're supposed to use them so that we will have something to show for it in the future. Can I get another amen here? In verse 9, the scripture says, And I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon. The New International Version says, I say to you, make friends for yourself by using worldly wealth. Unrighteous mammon. Now, I said to you earlier, the word mammon can be translated into the word stuff. It's not just about our money here. It's about all the things that we have, our stuff. Can I get another amen? Now, now here's the thing. Everybody here has got stuff. Yeah. But you know what's, what, what's something else about stuff? Stuff is here today and stuff is gone tomorrow. No intentions to exploit what happened in Japan. But isn't that what happened? Here today, gone tomorrow. Here's something else about stuff. All the stuff is temporary. It will either burn up or decay. Or somebody will try to break in and steal it. Or it will just break on its own. That's what, that's what happens to stuff. And Jesus says to them and to us, use your worldly stuff to gain friends for yourself so that when it's all gone from you, all this stuff, you'll be welcomed in eternal life. Now, my brothers and sisters, all of us are going to die one day if Jesus tarries. And all of us are going to leave our stuff behind. One, The only thing that's ever going to live eternal. And you know this and I've said it before. But let me just reiterate. The, our soul is the only thing that will live eternally somewhere. Our soul. No, I've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul hitch behind it. Because you can't take your stuff with you. Hey, the one guy told his wife. He's so, he is so pious. And so selfish and so stuff-oriented. When he died, he said, I want you to leave all my CDs and my cash and my money market and all my financial stuff. I want you to put it in the attic in a large container with a handle. When I die, I'm going to grab it and take it with me. (laughs) He died. They had his funeral. She came home, went up in the attic. And looked, and there it was. She said to herself, I should have put it in the basement like I thought in the first place. Don't get that? You get that he didn't go that way? Okay. 
Stuff. Here's what Jesus is saying. If you and I use our stuff, not just our money, in such a way to impact other people and influence the kingdom of God, to advance the work of God, when we die and we get to heaven, it's going to meet us in heaven in this way. Some, it's going to work like this. Somebody will come to you and shake your hand and say, thank you. And you will say, why are you thanking me and who are you? And they'll give their name, perhaps, their new name. And then they'll say, you remember when you gave that missionary that offering or you gave to missions and they built a church in India or Africa or the Caribbean? Yeah, I remember. You remember. Now, that church was built. I came there and I gave my heart to Jesus. And now I'm in heaven today with you because you used your stuff to bless somebody else. And I'm in eternity. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. It can even work like this. It can work like, you remember when you opened up your house for small group meetings? And you know it was a little inconvenient and it would take a little bit of a a reshuffling of your stuff. But you said, you know what, I opened up my house for six weeks, for three months, whatever. And they can have Bible study and prayer and church people will come and we'll invite our neighbors also. And you go to heaven and you get there and somebody shakes your hand and says, I... I'm, I want to just thank you. Well, why are you thanking me? Well, I lived about, uh, about several blocks over from your house. And uh, one of the church people who I work with told me that we were having, you were having a small group meeting. And they would like me to come and just, just come and be there. We, we're going to have some fellowship. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to pray. We're going to have some food. And we just be blessed. And I, I don't go to church. I never did go to church before that. I didn't like church or whatever. I just don't understand it all. But I went. Uh, I didn't go to the church, but I went to the small group meeting. And they treated me so nice. And they acted like, like, uh, like you know, I was one of them. And they loved me. And I went back another time. And eventually, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. I started going to church. And, and God called me to do His work. And it's been years. And now I'm up in heaven up here with you. Because you use your house stuff. You use your dining room table. You use your sauces and your plates and your forks and your groceries to let me come in your house and my soul is saved. Oh, my, my, my. Maybe I shouldn't get so happy. I just... Mm, people going to welcome us in heaven because of how we use our stuff. Now, now, here's three things Jesus said about our stuff, and I'll start with this. Everything we have is a tool. Everything we have is a tool. Now, here's, here's how I come to that understanding. Number one, everything belongs to God. Can I get an amen? amen? Oh, if you bought that car and you got that raise and you got that promotion, you have that nice house and you wear that nice clothes, it's because God gave you the capacity to do it. Everything belongs to God. Here's another thought. Everything comes from God. Can I get, he is the, he, uh, through Him, it comes to us. Oh, but my boss gave me this. Oh, my mother gave me this. Oh, I got this inheritance from somebody. Oh, I won this someplace. No, 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 no. Everything comes through God, and it comes more if He knows that you're going to be faithful in the little things. He'll keep sending it. Hallelujah. And here's a third thought. Everything is dispersed by God. He won't send it if He can't get it through you. You understand? He'll get it to you. This is what Evie Hill said, and I love what he said. He's going to be with the Lord. He was the pastor in Los Angeles. But Evie Hill says, if God can get it through you, 
He'll get it to you. You know what I'm saying? Oh, somebody ought to get happy even if I'm preaching about money. Huh? Huh? In other words, God's saying, if I know I can get it to, I can get it to you because you'll send it to Africa or you'll send it to India or you'll help build, rise up and build and you'll help build us some more space for a nursery or you'll help build a space for a youth group or you'll help build a space for a recovery house. If I know you'll give it away, I'll get it to you so I can get it through you. Come on, give the Lord some praise. Oh, my, 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 my. And so, you need to understand, not just your money, your car, your house. If you have a vacation house, if you're so blessed, not sin in having a vacation house. The more of you have vacation houses, the more opportunities I have to go free. <laughs> you're praying for me, Brother Merriman. I think Pastor Jeff's given up on me, but you as daddy. And... No, no, everything. Uh, your truck, your car, your CD player, your stereo. And what Jesus is saying to all of us about our stuff is that we have an incredible opportunity to bless His kingdom. Jesus says all of us have a little bit of time and a little bit of money. And if we use our stuff in such a way to impact the kingdom of God when we get to heaven, we'll see that our temporary stuff was used for an eternal good. Oh, amen. You know, there are people in the kingdom and people in this church who are just that way. Pastor, I have a car. If you ever, if you ever need somebody to ride to church, I have a van. When we didn't have a baptistry in many years ago, and, and there's a gentleman in church who had a swimming pool. He said, if you ever need to use our swimming pool for baptistry, bring it on over here. Our stuff is your... I'm, I'm, not, I'm just saying to the degree that we have stuff, we make it available. There are people who have uh, uh, other things. I say, Pastor... If there's a business people in this church, out of their business, they give other people stuff. And the kingdom is blessed. Jesus said, make friends for yourself while you've got a little bit of time and a little bit of opportunity. So when you and I get to heaven, we will be welcome in heaven. Not by stuff, but by souls. Okay, let uh, let me say it this way. Everything is a tool. And if I use money, time, talent, stuff as a tool for advancing the kingdom of God, then he'll trust me a bit more. Here's, here's a second thought, please. Everything that we have is a test. Hmm. Jesus says, from my perspective, I don't care how much you have. If it's, even if it's very little, I'm watching to see what you do with the very little. Now, these are his own words, okay? But, but I'm maybe paraphrasing, but not hurting it. The thought here is, if you can't be trusted with very little, why should I trust you with my kingdom? The thought, the thought here is, if you can't be trusted with stuff that's going to burn up, rot, and decay one day, how can I trust you with things that are eternal? Souls, people, family. Here's another thought. If I can't trust you to handle something that is not even yours, why would I give you something that is yours? Everything we have is a test. Look at your neighbor and say, it's a test. Yeah. And some of you didn't say that, so you failed the test. I'm going to pray God to give you a second chance. You have a makeup test after church. Every day of our life, God watches how we use the stuff He loaned us. 
And he looks to see whether we are investing in his kingdom or our own kingdom. Uh-huh. It's a test. But you know, here's something about this test. I found out that trust must be earned. You know trust must be earned. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. You can apologize all you want to for being a jerk. You can, buy, you can buy flowers or go to the cemetery and steal them and give them to your wife to apologize. But trust must be... Some of the stuff I say is not anointed, but it's up to me. Yes, it is all anointed. Earned. Jesus said, if I'm going to trust you with more... Look, look at verses 10 and 11. Look at your scriptures. He who is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, meaning worldly stuff, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you the true riches, which is the kingdom of God? Jesus said, the way that I know that you're trustworthy, get this now, you might want to write it down. The way that I know that you are trustworthy is not what you're going to do with what I blessed you with. It's what you have done with what I blessed you with. If you want me to trust you with more, if you want a better house, a better car, a better income, if you want me to trust you with more, don't be talking about what you're going to do for me one day. Do it now. Some people wonder why they don't ever get a raise, why they always get overlooked for promotion, why they don't get perks. And for some people, they're the same people who come in five minutes late every day, leave five minutes earlier every day. When they walk through the building and a piece of trash on the floor, they're thinking, I don't get paid for that. And they walk around it. Somebody watching you. Where do you think they got all these cameras? Somebody watching. Well, that ain't my job. And, and the fact of the matter is, as somebody's watching to see if you're just in it for the, for the nine to five, or, or, or do you, are you doing this as a ministry? Are you serving God in your job? Because that's how you really have to take some jobs. Some jobs, if you didn't think you were serving God, you'd lose your mind. Can I get an amen? You know, uh, some of us are, uh, are wondering why we don't get to, why do we don't get to be on the team? Why we got to sit on the bench? It's because some of the other people, they get there early and they work out and they stay later and they work out and they come at their own time and they invest because but what they're understanding is you and I get the perks and the blessings and the benefits in the natural world in the spiritual world when God finds out he can trust us with little bit of things when he can trust us in private he will give us public blessings help me praise the Lord Here's another thought. Trust can be measured. How do you know it, Pastor? Verse 12. And if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? God says, I can determine how much I give you in the future based on what kind of steward you've been in the past. Here's a good question we ask ourselves. Why would the Master give me more if I misuse what I got now? So the Lord is saying, well, what do you do with the stuff I loaned you? I realize it may not be a little bit right now, but I want you to use it for eternal purposes. Now, how are you doing? Uh, how well do you invest it, the stuff? Uh, you got stuff hanging on your walls? Do, do you, do you build yourself nice homes and drive nice automobiles and neglect my kingdom? What, what are you doing with the stuff? Because God says, for those who really understand who I am, 
meaning how things come to you, you understand that everything belongs to God, everything comes from God, and God disperses everything. He un- he's got to thing. I'm trying to tell you, everything that you have is a tool and a test. And we say, God, you know what? I, I understand it now, and I want to pass the test. Because I'm going to leave all my stuff behind. I want to pass the test. Here's a third and final thought, please. And that is everything that we have is a trademark. No servant, verse 13, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or stuff. God is saying you can't serve God and money. And the Lord says, I know your heart. He said to those, he said to us, I know your heart. I know your heart so well that Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So he says, I'm looking every day to see where your money goes. And if it goes to everything but the kingdom of God, then I know where your heart is. And I know your trademark. In other words, I know who owns you. You see, everybody, every one of us, at some seasons in our life, come to some defining moments of our lives. Everybody here come to crossroads in our lives where we have to make decisions. And some of those decisions are financial decisions. And when we make those decisions, those financial decisions declare to whom we really belong. The question may be, who are we going to cheat? God or ourselves? You see, the truth for many of us, sometimes in the past, maybe even the present, the truth is that we have been slaves or servants to stuff. Let me prove it to you. Have you ever, ever overextended yourself for stuff? You just had to have it. Everybody else was wearing it. Their children were wearing it. Have you ever overextended yourself financially for a house that you know you couldn't afford? But it had the upgrades. And you were going to work some more hours and make it happen. But you find you overextended yourself for stuff. Uh, People are driving cars today. With bells and whistles. When what they really needed to buy was a bicycle. (laughs) Yeah. Now they're driving cars with bells and whistles that they have overextended themselves for. And they're now owned by the car. There are people who have overextended themselves with credit card debt. Swapping from one car to the next car, buying stuff that they've been paying for for years. Now they forgot what they bought and they wish they could return it, but they can't. Whenever you overextend yourself for stuff, you know what happens? You are owned. You become your servant to your stuff. Because stuff will make you do stuff that you shouldn't have done. 
Jesus said, it's a trademark. It announces who you belong to. Now, I'm not saying this for any response. I'm just teaching. Have you ever overextended yourself for the kingdom of God? Probably not. We will stretch ourselves for everything else but God. I have yet to have one person come to me and say, Pastor, this week I can't pay my mortgage. Can the church help me pay my mortgage? Because I gave too much to the Lord. Never happened. We will extend ourselves. We will figure and finagle our finances to get everything else. We say things like, if I skip lunch one day a week, I can buy that other stuff. If I work a few extra hours, uh, should I come on down, Pastor Jerry? You got my back. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to Africa tomorrow. No problem. And I know somebody probably thinking, I wish you left yesterday, but that wasn't God's will. Figure and finagle our finances. If I cut back on my credit card, I'll get some... I can buy this stuff. We can take this vacation. If I get a second job, I can, I can make this happen, some more stuff. And then when it comes to giving to rise up and build, or missions, or the homeless, or to the work of God in any shape, the kingdom, our attitude sometimes is, well, I wish I could give more. And the reason we can't do more is because stuff has become our master. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, when we are racked with credit card debt, stuff is the master because we've overextended ourselves. When we have overextended ourselves for a house we couldn't afford and we knew it, and a car that we couldn't afford and we knew it, then we become slaves. And I can't go to church Sunday, Pastor, because I got to pay so and so, and I won't be. I can't come to prayer meeting, Pastor, because I got to pay for my stuff. I got to get a second job, Pastor, because I got got to pay for my stuff. And, and, and I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm just telling you that Jesus says that. When stuff rules your life, he gets, if anything, the leftovers are nothing. Jesus said, this is how I view your stuff. Your stuff is an indication to whom you really belong. He's saying, I can look at your stuff. I can look at your checkbook. I can look at your credit card debt. And where stuff went. And I can tell you who is your master. And it's true. And Jesus said, if you let me be your master. If you let me be your Lord. If you advance your kingdom. My kingdom. You won't serve stuff. Okay. I'm closing. Everybody get a piece of money in your hand, would you? Get a piece of money in your hand. 
Get a dollar bill or something else. Get, get, that's a little illustration. It's an object lesson. Get some change. If you didn't bring cash, many people in this culture don't, cards and all, don't carry cash. Take out one of your credit cards or your debit card. I ain't going to take it from you. I ain't going to take it from you. I promise you I'm not going to take it today. If you want to give it, I'll take it. But Okay, you got some money? Got some money. But I got some money, right? I would almost tell you to loan some to your neighbor, but they may take your stuff and say, look what the Lord has done. <laughs> Come play for me some music, Pastor Zach. It'll make this go easier on everybody. Play Swing Down Chariots. <laughs> okay, got some money? A little illustration, okay? If you got a watch or a timepiece on your wrist, hold up your hand. Hold up your hand that you have your watch or your timepiece on. Hold it up. Hold it. I got mine. Okay. Now, take the money and put it in the opposite hand. Of course, the other hand where your watch is opposite of. Okay. All right. Here's what I want you to see. Hold your hand up if you can. I won't keep you long. It's kind of like a hold up, isn't it? Uh, look at this. Your watch hand, you have a little bit of time. And in the other hand, you have a little bit of money. Put your hands down. Hold up your watch hand. A little bit of time. Hold up the other hand together. A little bit of money. You see what I'm saying? You may put them down. For the sake of the lesson. Everybody in this room have a little bit of time. Oh, no, Pastor. I got a lot of time. Who told you that? Who told you got a lot of time? Huh? Nobody knows the number of their days. Who promised you tomorrow? If you got a promise tomorrow, Jesus. You don't have as much time as you might think. You got a little bit of time. Hold up your money. Got a little bit of money. And so the challenge is, we put your hand down. The challenge is this from Jesus. Will we use the little bit of time and the little bit of money we have for Jesus? Because the more time you use for me, the more I'll trust you with time. The more stuff you use for me, the more stuff I'll trust you with. I wrote this down so I, I have it before me so I can remember. There'll be people in heaven because of how you use your stuff. I like this part. There'll be people in heaven because of what you did with the pictures of dead presidents. Last slide. Stand with me, would you, church? Take your money, put it up. Come pray, steam. Oh, something's moving and shaking. I'm going to say this because I want to qualify something that maybe just to make my ego feel good. But there are preachers in this house and they'll tell you the same thing. When I preach something like this, because we're a Pentecostal church and because sometimes we preachers feed off of the response of the congregation doing the sermon, we tend to judge ourselves. If there's a lot of hallelujah, a lot of people running and shouting, and we think, man, we just preached ourselves a happy time. Some of the most anointed sermons I've preached and most effective is when there might have been minimal. Not every sermon calls for a response loud and great. And I like to be encouraged. But let me tell you, don't you judge this of its value to you based on your emotions, whether you got tingle or sensated or, or something happened. Judge it based on the truth. And so everything is a tool, everything is a test, and everything is a trademark. Would you bow your heads, please?
every head bowed and the, the, the intercessory group is praying and the Christians are praying and it won't take me long. You know what? God doesn't want your stuff. He's got better than our stuff. He first wants your heart. He first wants your soul. And then when you see what He does for you there, you'll be willing to give your stuff for His kingdom's sake. If you got the message about stuff, but your heart is not right and you're not living for the Lord, you've missed the message. Jesus wants your heart and your soul first. And if you seek Him first and you're saved, you get saved today. Everything else will fall in place as you read the Word and pray and are mentored. Pastor Allen, without being a hypocrite, I want today to acknowledge that my heart is not right with the Lord and I first need to give my heart before I think about stuff because I can't buy my way in heaven. I need to receive the gift of salvation. I need to come back to Christ or I need to get saved for the first time. Everybody head bowed. Raise your hands. you got... 20 seconds because I've already preached long enough. Numbers of hands. Hold it up a moment. I'm rededicating or coming back to the Lord. Hold it up in faith. In Jesus' name. Put those hands down. Pastor Allen, just like the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, and He has spoken to me, I never teach you without me learning something myself. And I'm not teaching you as come up high with me and be like me. No. I'm teaching you like we're all together in this. Pastor Allen, I understand today that I need to do better by God by way of showing him that he owns me and my stuff doesn't. I need prayer for that before I leave. I'm not going to call you from your standing place. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand if that's you. Raise up your hands. Thank you so much for being transparent. Put the hands down. Everybody, say, repeat this prayer after me. Even if you're saved, it encourages those who are getting saved. And we pray for other things also. Out loud, here we go, everybody. Lord Jesus, thank you for teaching me that I'm not an owner. I'm just a manager. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me good gifts from you. Today, Jesus, I confess that I have served stuff. I ask you to forgive me. Come into my heart. Wash away my sins. Make me a child of God. Today, Lord, I move stuff from the throne of my heart. And I place you, Jesus, in first place. Thank you for saving me. And beginning today, give me the power, the energy, and the strength to be a servant only of Jesus and not stuff. By faith, I'm saved. I'm changed. Amen. Put your hands together. Sing that song. Everybody, put your hands together.